Hey, good morning. How are you guys doing today? All right. There's a couple of you anyways. Let's open our Bibles, John chapter 3. John chapter 3. We are marching right along, aren't we? We're already in chapter 3. Incredible. It's only been three years. John chapter 3. Can we change screens, please? I like that picture, but there we go. Just a little review. Uh, the New Testament 521.1. Anybody know what that means? The numbers of books per section. So there's really only three sections in the New Testament. How many sections are in the Old Testament? Five sections, right? So five sections in the Old Testament. There's only three in the New Testament. The first one is history and then letters and then prophecy, right? And those numbers correspond, obviously, to that. So uh, just just a little bit of review. We'll get back to that again later. Last week, we looked at the end of chapter 2, and we talked about Jesus cleaning house. And, uh, you know, we talked about how sometimes our houses are a little messy. And my wife, you know, she got all over my case because I showed those pictures of our house last week. Not really. Not really that they were the pictures of our house. But maybe she did get all over my case. But that's another story. So, anyways, Jesus went to the temple, right? And it was like a mess there. They were making money off of people who were coming to sacrifice people who were coming to meet with God. They were making money off of them. And that was, that was horrible, you know. And, and so he cleaned, the, he cleaned the temple out of all those things that shouldn't be there. And, he, and, and, and really, uh, the, the, like the issue was, does he have a right to do that? And does he have the authority to do that? And, and I think it's very, very clear in the passage that he definitely has the right and he definitely has the authority to do that. Why? Because, as he said, it's his father's house. It's his house, and he and the Father are one. So he had every right to do that, and, and uh, he took these drastic steps to make that happen, right? Sometimes it takes drastic steps to clean house. And we talked a little bit about, you know, the idea of this being his house, too. He owns this. This is his property. This is his place, and, and would he be pleased here? And then we apply it to our own homes. Would he be pleased there? And then our own hearts. Would he be pleased within me? Because I am a temple of the Holy Spirit, right? And I've been bought with a price. And if you belong to him, you've been bought with a price. So, so he has every right to come in and, and, and clean house. And there, you know, from time to time, within every one of us, he needs to come in and do what he needs to do. And we need to let him do that. We can fight against him, and where does that get us? Nowhere. The authority that he talked about in that passage to do all that, he pointed to the cross and the resurrection. That's the authority that he has. Now today, going into chapter 3, very famous chapter, very uh, incredible chapter. As a matter of fact, uh, any of you heard of Spurgeon? Some of you heard of Spurgeon? Yeah, 
he was a very, a very uh, well-known preacher in England, uh, uh, you know, like a hundred years ago or something. And he, he just, he just uh, really uh, had some incredible stuff to say. And people are still reading what he had to say. But this is what he said. If we were asked to read to a dying man who did not know the gospel, we should probably, probably select this chapter as the most suitable one for such an occasion. And what is good for dying men is good for us all. For that is what we are. And how soon we may be actually at the gates of death, none of us can tell. So he says, you know, if you're going to talk to somebody who's dying, John chapter 3 is a great place to go because it's all there. But he says, not just those people are dying because we're all dying. I'm dying. You're dying. You know, we're all, this, this body, I hate to, you know, some of you that are young, I hate to break the news. It starts to break down. It starts to not function as well as it used to. How many of you know that? Okay, you older people. John chapter 3, the first section, is, is a wonderful, the, the whole chapter is incredible, but this first section, I, I just love to look at it. Let me ask you this question. How many of you were born? Was it a difficult delivery? You would have to have someone tell you this, obviously, because you, well, maybe you could remember, like, some, is it possible somebody could remember? I guess anything's possible, but not likely. But if someone told you, you know, well, I was just sitting here thinking about, you know, being born. And, and, and it, is, it is a miracle. It is absolutely miraculous. When you, when you think about it and, and, and a brand new life comes into this world, and, and it's just absolutely incredible. It's, it is a total miracle. So I want you to keep that in mind. But, but sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes it's, you know, easier. But, but it only happens once, right? And usually it's a happy occasion, right? Usually. Not sure uh, my mom was thinking that when I was born, but y- you never know, right? In John chapter 3, this first section, speaking about birth... He makes a radical statement, and he makes this statement. He says, you must be born again. Okay? And it's an obvious obvious reference to the childbirth and being born, but he says, you must be born again. That's radical. And some of you are thinking, you know, I can already hear what you're thinking, you know, are you one of those born-agains? Or people have asked you, are you one of those born-agains? Like, it's some kind of a bad term. You know, you're, it's, you know, one of those, you're, you're one of those born-agains. It's more like that kind of emphasis. Man, I knew I shouldn't have turned that thing on. Like, that's the decaf, though. That's what I want. See, I turn it on for me, right? See, I know what you're all thinking. You see, I can tell. I'm thinking, what's that weird noise back there? 
Well, to answer that question, if someone says, are you one of those born-agains, you must say yes. Because you must be born again. That's what Jesus is saying here. You must be born again or you are nothing in the kingdom of God. You have nothing. You can see nothing. You can't enter into it. You, you have no connection to the kingdom of God unless you have been born again. A second time, a second birth, right? So that's what we're going to talk about today. That's what he's talking about here in this chapter. It's kind of an interesting, very interesting uh, thing as we look at it. So let's look at chapter 3, verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees. His name was Nicodemus. And he was a member of the Jewish ruling council. Now this guy, Nicodemus, he was, you know, it, it says he was a Pharisee. And there were, at that time, about 6,000 Pharisees. And they were like the, the spiritual group, Right? They were like really committed and they were relig very, very religious, right? These Pharisees. But also says he was a member of the, the Jewish ruling council, which was a smaller group that came out of those Pharisees. They were called the Sanhedrin. And there was like 70 of those. And they provided all the leadership, right? So this guy is, you know, he's, he's, you know, he's got credentials, He's very religious. He's probably very moral. Uh, we know from John chapter 19, he's also very rich. He has a lot of money. How do you know that? Well, you read about it. He was with Joseph of Arimathea when they got together in Jesus' body and it says that Nicodemus brought all these spices and it, it talks about how much were there and, and those were very expensive. So to, to be able to do that, you had to be very wealthy. So, so thinking about this guy now, he's got money, right? He's got position. He's got, uh, hopefully, he's a moral guy. He's doing, you know, the right things. He's very religious. Is that enough? You know, Jesus could say, Nicodemus, man, and, and in our society, we would say somebody like that, you know, we're in awe of people who have a lot of money, who are very famous, who have big, you know, uh, big roles in our society. We're in awe of them. They're stars or whatever. And, you know, they come in and we start falling all over ourselves. Like, you know, we're going to get our picture or get a selfie with them and, and all this weird stuff, you know. So Jesus could have been like that with Nicodemus, but, but was he like that? He wasn't like that at all, right? We'll see. Verse 2 says that he came to Jesus at night. And he said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. He came to Jesus at night. And, and you know, why did he come to Jesus at night? Well, some say, some say that, you know, he might have been a little afraid because of his role. You know, now he's going to this guy that a lot of the spiritual leaders are like very negative against, or maybe he just wanted to have some time with Jesus. Because during the day, a lot of stuff's going on, right? It's very busy, a lot of people coming and going and that. And so he comes to Jesus, and, and he can have like, a, like an audience with the king. Of course, he didn't know he was the king. As a matter of fact, it says here, we know you are a teacher. So he was willing to say that he was a teacher. 
A lot of people are willing to say that Jesus was a teacher. He was a good teacher. In fact, he, he taught some incredible stuff. And was he a teacher? Yeah. Rabbi means teacher, right? And he also, he also said that, you know, we know that you are a teacher that has come from God and, and you're doing things that show us that God is with you. So he, he kind of had some of the stuff going on there. He did come from God, right? I don't think he totally understood what that meant. But he, but he also said that you're doing these things because God is with you. So, so he felt like God was with him doing that. But, but as we've seen from chapter 1 of John, from the very beginning all the way up to now, it's more than just God with him, right? God was with him, of course, you know, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But it was more than that because what? Because he was God. So, so Nicodemus gives him these words and says that to him. And, and uh, verse 3, in reply, Jesus declared. And he says this, I tell you the truth. I tell you the truth. Interesting, when you look at, at those words, it's actually two words, and it's the words, Amen, Amen. But it's translated different ways in different versions. I tell you the truth. Some say, verily, verily. But, but two words, Amen, Amen, and what he's trying to say is that this is uh, for sure. This is true, true what I am about to tell you. He puts this emphasis on it, right? When, he's, when he uses that kind of language, he's saying, you better listen to what I'm about to say. This is very important to you. Now, he didn't really address the direction, go in the direction that Nicodemus was wanting him to go, did he? He goes in a different direction. In fact, he goes right to the heart. What does he say? He says, I tell you the truth. Amen, amen. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. Well, how can a man be born when he is old, Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Unless he's born again. He gets to the real need, you see. Again, why is this chapter so important? Why is this, this passage so important? Because he, he gets to what we really need. You must be born again. You can't see it. You can't enter into it. But first, we should probably ask the question, what is the kingdom of God, right? Because if you're going to see it, and if you're going to enter into it, you probably should know what it is. So what is the kingdom of God? Well, it... it, it I think it encompasses a lot of things, but mainly the number one thing is where God is king where he is in charge and where you and I are in that relationship to him where he is the king. Now, obviously, it, it includes heaven. It includes everything that God has for us. You're not even going to see it, and you're not going to enter into it, he says to Nicodemus, unless what? Unless you are born again, unless you are born twice, unless you are born also, it, mean, it can mean from above. So, back to Nicodemus, he was very moral, he was religious, he was connected, he was rich, but was that enough for him? 
Jesus didn't even talk about any of those things. There's one thing you need to know, Nicodemus. You've got to be born again. If you, if you want to get into the kingdom, if you want to see the kingdom, you have got to be born again. You see why it's so ridiculous when someone says, are you one of those born agains? And they're professing to be a Christian, and they're saying, you're one of those born agains, like, like there's uh, different classes of Christians, Right? There, is, there, there aren't different classes of Christians. There is one class of Christian. The only way you can be a Christian is if you are born again. Does that make sense? Amen. So Nicodemus goes like, what? <laughs> like you, what are you talking about? That's not even possible. How can, you know, you can't enter a, a second time into his mother's womb. That, that that's not even possible. How can that be? What are you talking about? Well, Jesus often talks about stuff that is beyond our human, you know, limited understanding, but he, he goes to explain it, right? What does it mean? Look at verse 5. He says, being born of the water, born of water and the spirit. Verse 6 says, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. So he's saying here, there, it's, not, it's not too natural or, or too physical births. There's two different kinds of birth here that he's talking about. The first one is natural, right? The first one is physical. It's flesh. Flesh gives birth to flesh. When he says born of water, he's not talking about baptism, I don't believe. He's talking about natural human birth, Right? We're, in a, we're, we're enclosed in a sack of water, right? And the water breaks and we're born and that's how, that's how this happens. So he says, born of water and the Spirit. There's, you, you've got to have both. So there's that, there's that miraculous, incredible birth of physical birth. But there's something else, he says. There's a spiritual birth that takes place. And I think, and I believe it's, it's just as miraculous, if not more miraculous. It's a miracle when someone is born by the Spirit of God, born of the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit of God gives birth to spirit. It's a spiritual birth. And it's absolutely incredible, but not only is it incredible and miraculous, it's absolutely essential, it's necessary. Without it, Without it, you and I are not going to get into the kingdom of God. Spiritual birth is necessary. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, he said, Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Flesh and blood. It's not just a physical thing. It's, it's more than that. I was with someone the other day who, uh, in my you know, talking with this guy, you know, I don't know that he's a believer. But he, he said this to me, you know, there's it's definitely more than just here, more than just what you see and feel and touch, isn't there? We had a pr pretty interesting conversation. But people know that. They know that there must be more than just what we see, touch, feel here. You know, there's the five physical senses that we have here. There's a spiritual kingdom. It's a spiritual birth. It's not always easy to understand. Jesus even points it out here. Kind of the, 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 there's, a, there's a wonderful mystery about what we're talking about here. There's spiritual birth. But Nicodemus, you know, some of the, some of the 
uh, language that's used about him makes it seem like he is not only a teacher in Israel, but he's one of the top teachers in, his, in Israel. And so for him now to be talking with Jesus, and, and he's talking about this, and, and he goes like, I have no clue what you are talking about here. Even though, if you look back to the Old Testament, there are passages that talk about getting a new heart. And they weren't talking about, you know, heart transplants. They were talking about a, a spiritual birth that they were referring to. It's really what it is. It's a new life. It's a brand new life. It's not reforming my life, though there may be some reformation that takes place, right? It's not making me a better person. It's not making me something. It's actually a brand new, a brand new me, a brand new you. That's why Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, he is what? A new creation. He's a brand new. He says the old has gone, the new has come. But not only that, he says the next verse, which we don't quote that often, he says he starts off by saying all this is from God. That's what he's talking about here. He says it's a, it's a spiritual birth. It comes from God. It's something that he does within us. That's why I don't think it's something that we can like have and then lose and then get it again and lose it again. It's, it's a miraculous thing that takes place within us. This new life that, that God does this miraculous thing inside of us and, and gives us a brand new life that we did not have before. He didn't just make my life better. He gave me a brand new life, a spiritual life. One man said this, only a supernatural work by God, the Holy Spirit, within us can accomplish so dramatic a change. It's a supernatural work, a supernatural life, a spiritual birth. It's by the Spirit of God being born again. Look at verse 7. He says, you should not be surprised, this great teacher of Israel. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. Don't be surprised about this. And, and this word must means just what it says. You must. In other words, it's necessity. There is no other way to get in. There's no other avenue. There's not many paths that you can take to get to heaven into the kingdom of God. There's only one way. Chris picked out that song today. It's interesting, isn't it? I think Nicodemus kind of wanted to understand, though. Do you think maybe he wanted to understand? A little bit. Verse 8, look what it says. The wind blows wherever it pleases, and you hear its sound. But you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. See, like I said, there's a, there's a, there's a nature of this. It's not something that you can necessarily see. When, when a child is born into this world, you see it. You look at it. You see that child. You, it's an incredible experience. But when someone is born again by the Spirit of God, it's not like you can see they all of a sudden, you know, they all of a sudden start like glowing or something, right? They all of a sudden they get the halo above their head, right? It's not like that. It's not a physical thing, but but he uses the Jesus uses the example of the wind. You know, you can't see the wind, but you can feel it. 
you can, you, it affects you, doesn't it? When the wind is blowing, you, 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 it, it changes things. And, when, and, and I believe when we are born again, when we are born again by the Spirit of God, you can't see it, but something radical has taken place within our very being, and it affects us. You know, if it doesn't affect us in any way, then I'm wondering maybe we are not born again. If it, if it hasn't come in and changed me and, and, and gave a whole new life within me, maybe I don't have it. I'm not trying to make you feel insecure about your spiritual uh, life. But I feel strongly that, that this is such a radical, incredible thing, and I think Jesus did too. When your spirit is brought to life... The Bible says that our spirits were dead before he gave us brand new life. We're, 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 we're spiritually dead. Verse 9, how can this be? That's why I think he, he did want it to know. How can that happen? How can it be? How can you get that? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus. And do you not understand these things? He was moral. He was religious. He had position. He had power. He had money. None of that was enough. Verse 11, I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know. We testify to what we have seen, seen but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then... Will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? See, this is a heavenly thing he's talking about here. No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man, speaking about himself. Verse 14, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Nicodemus says, how can this possibly be? How can, how can I get that? How can... You know, how does this happen? And, and Jesus explains, he first kind of gives them a little nudge there. You know, you should understand a little bit more for who you are and where you are in life, but, but whatever. And he gets to this thing in verse 14, and we're going to talk a little bit more about this next week in, in communion. But it says, he says, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. And if you look back to that, that's out of the... The book of Numbers in chapter 21, where, where there was a, a snakes. There were, first of all, the, the people of Israel were, were disobedient. They were, they were just doing all kinds of stuff. And, and there were snakes that came. And we're going to look at that passage next week. Snakes that came in. And, and, but, but, you know, Moses was told, if you take a snake and put it on a pole, lift it up. Whoever looks up to that snake will be healed if they have gotten bitten. Right? So all they had to do was look up. And he points it out here, and he says, the Son of Man must be lifted up. Well, what is he referring to there? The cross, obviously. The Son of Man must be lifted up. That everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. That everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. How? Are we born again? He says, you, you look to the Son of Man, you look to the cross, you believe in Him, you trust in Him, and, and this is how this takes place. Now, was Jesus the only one who ever talked about being born twice or born again? No. 
I want you to turn with me. We're going to look at a couple of passages as we, as we try to put this together. 1 John uh, chapter 5. Now that's going to be at the end in, in, uh, just before the book of Jude and Revelation. 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, Jude, and then Revelation. But turn into 1 John chapter 5. First John chapter 5. Now, obviously, in John chapter 3, John the Apostle is quoting what Jesus said. But now he's speaking for himself, right? This is the same writer, the Apostle John, writing in the letter of 1 John. And he, he talks about it too now, and, and you wonder, well, is he remembering back to what Jesus said on that day? Verse 1, he said, everyone who what? Believes that Jesus is the Christ, that he is the Messiah, that he is the anointed one, that he is the answer, is what? Is born of God. It's a spiritual birth. How does it take place? It takes place through faith. It It takes place through believing and accepting in Jesus Christ as the Savior, as the anointed one, the answer for for all of us. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Is it everyone who believes and is baptized? Everyone who believes and gives money? Everyone who believes and goes to church every single Sunday, perfect attendance? Everyone who believes is born of God. Turn back a few books to 1 Peter James, Peter, John. So well, we're going to go to 1 Peter. So turn past 2 Peter and you'll be in, in chapter 1 of 1 Peter. And Peter was obviously another one of these disciples, one of the apostles. And he talks about it as well. In fact, in this first chapter, he talks about it twice. Let's look at verse 3 first. Peter says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us what? A new birth. A brand new beginning. New life. Second birth. Born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Kept in heaven for you. See what I'm saying? Being born again is not just where God is king, but it's, it's all the rest of it. It's, it's, it's the inheritance that we have that, that's being saved for us in heaven. It's the hope that we have. How did it happen? We, we saw John said it happens through belief. Here, Peter gives us a little more explanation. It happens through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Not just the cross, look up to the cross, but, but also that, that he was buried, that he rose from the dead, he conquered death for you and for me. How about verse uh, 23? He says, he, and he talks about it twice now, for he says, for you have been born again. 
born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. So first he says in in the first verses we read there, it's through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now he says it's also through the living and enduring word of God. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? Well, John talked about, of course, Jesus being the word. But I think he's he's given us a little bit more than that here. He's talking about the word of God where where God has given us the answer. He's, He's explained it to us by his word. And so when you and I hear about something like this, how would you know? How would you know you needed to be born again unless you read what God's words had to say? Incredible. Paul talks about it. We're not going to turn there. But Paul talks about us being saved. And he says, we've been saved through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. So it's a work of the Holy Spirit in us. Rebirth. A brand new life. So getting back to what Jesus said, he said, you must be what? Born again. You must be. It's necessity. It's essential. There's no other way. And you and I need to know that. I hope that, that you know, after what you've heard today, you're never going to, you know, question, oh, do I need to be born again? Like, this is, this is what Jesus said. You must be born again. This is the reality. This is the truth. I guess, I guess we can ask the question of ourselves, have I been born again? Do we need to ask that question? I think we do. Have I been born again? Am I one of those born agains? It's interesting when you think about that question. I think people say that. Why why do they say that? Because of, not because you're wearing a, a halo or anything. Why would they say that about you? Because they know there's something different about you. Not just because you, you know, have you know, a tattoo on your forehead that says born again. There's something different. It's affected you. There's something like, you know, you like really believe what, you know, you believe in Jesus. You, just, you, you believe in him enough that it like affects the way you talk. It affects the way you live. It affects, you, you know, how you act, you know. But I thought being a Christian just meant that, you know, I got the baptism thing, I did the confirmation thing, I did, you know, all the different steps, and I got there. Are you one of those born-agains? I sure hope so. I wonder, I wonder about Nicodemus, you know, this little aside here, I wonder, was he ever born again? Did this this talk that Jesus had with him affect him? I think it did. I really do. Later on, you can read about it in John chapter 7, he spoke up for Jesus. But as I've already referred to in John chapter 19, he was there with Joseph of Arimathea, and they took Jesus' body and they wrapped it with all the spices and got it ready for burial. So there was something that occurred in this man's life that he would take you know, that investment, it was very expensive, as I said, but also take the chance to do that and, and to be involved in that. 
That's an, I think, what an incredible opportunity. What an incredible thing to be there. Now, did he know and understand that Jesus was going to rise, rise from the dead? Maybe not at that point in time. Probably not. But I think, I think his life was radically impacted by what? By the words of Jesus. That's what Peter said, the living and enduring word of God. He was affected by what Jesus said. That's why we teach the word of God, because we're going to be affected by it. I wouldn't get up here and keep repeating these words if I didn't think that it was living and active, it was powerful, it could affect you, it could change your life. What's the point? I could just get up and tell a bunch of stories and jokes and, you know, do some, do some drama, you know. I, I, I took drama in college, you know. And they kicked me out. No. I quit. I quit. It was a mistake. So Nicodemus, was he ever born again? I, I kind of think he was. We don't know. We'll have to wait till we get there to see and look around the crowd of people. Nicodemus, are you here somewhere? But each one of us, we make a choice. We make a decision. Am I going to accept? Am I going to trust in this man called Jesus? I hope. I hope you have already done that. But if you, if you haven't done it, you can do it right now. If you want to be born again, if you want that brand new life in you, you can have it. All you have to do is look up to the cross and know that, that he died for you. He died for your sin. He died to pay the price for you. And then he was buried. But he could not be kept in the tomb. He... He, he rose from the dead. He conquered sin. He conquered death for you and for me. And all we need to do is look to him and believe in him. You can be born again right here today. Right? Right as we speak, as we pray. As we're going to close in prayer right now. You can be born again. I would like to think that every single person in this room, all 5,000 of you, Every single person in this room is born again by the Spirit of God. I would love that. I would love to think that. But I can't be sure. You know, we can't, we can't again, it's, we can't look at somebody and know. I think we can see fruit in people's lives and, and have a good idea, like maybe, yeah, okay. I think they are. But we can't see into a person's spirit, into their hearts and, and, and what's in there. But God can. And I think you and I... Within us, we know. I know. I remember. I, I, I trusted in Jesus. I gave my life. I let him into my heart and life. And, and, you know, I didn't, again, see anything change in the mirror. But I knew there was something that took place within me. It was, it was radical. Something took place within my heart. I knew it. The very next morning, I knew something had changed. Did it, did it make my life, you know, easy from there on out? No. But Jesus is with me. He's in me. He's given me a brand new life. That's my story. It's my testimony. Let's pray together, shall we? Let's just think about that for a minute. Born again, you must be born again. Maybe if you are born again, you can just be thanking him right now, saying, thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus, that you gave me a brand new life, made me a new creation. And I'm going to heaven. And you are my king. And you've got an inheritance waiting for me. You've got a place for me that you've been preparing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you're with me even now in this life, this difficult life sometimes is difficult. And you're with me to walk with me and to talk with me and help me every step of the way. You're not going to leave me or forsake me. You, you, I'm yours. Thank you for that. Maybe there's some, I don't know, here today who you just want Jesus in your life. You need him in your life. You want that, that new life. Again, we're not just talking about fixing up the old life. We're talking about a brand new spiritual life that can only come from God. You can't make it happen. You can't whip it up. You can't buy it. You can't earn it. It's a free gift, and all you have to do is accept it, receive it. That's all. Maybe that's you. Maybe you can call out to him right now. Say, dear God, I open my heart and my life to receive Jesus, your son, as my Savior, as my Lord, and everything that he has for me, I receive. Forgive me, wash me, cleanse me. That I might be born of God, that I might be born again, born from above. Supernatural, miraculous. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Maybe if you prayed that prayer, you know, I think you should tell someone. I think you should. Let people know. Let someone know what you've done. Let's all stand and sing together, shall we?